Welcome to the scene. This is Screen Time. My name is David Chu, and I am a lover of film and pop culture. I am a theatre student here at UNE, and I am collaborating with Belgrave Cinema and Tuned to bring you this show. Screen Time is essentially a program where I review films that are showing in Belgrave and talk and discuss and opinionate. Today is the fourth episode of Screen Time, and the movie we have up on screen today is Napoleon, a biographical epic on the rise and fall of one of history's most notable individuals. We see all the drama, all the war, and all of his successes and downfalls. History never looked so strange. This film is presented as an action-adventure and biography. There is certainly a lot of action. If you've already seen this movie, you know what I mean. This movie is directed by Ridley Scott, a man with a plethora of content behind him, both movies and TV shows. Movies such as The Martian, The Donut King, and Blade Runner 2049, and TV shows such as The Good Fight, The Man in High Castle, and Taboo. I would not be surprised if this man delved into every genre around. He appears to have a liking towards drama and crime. The genre, that is. Some upcoming productions from Ridley Scott are Gladiator 2, Blade Runner 2099, and Tranquility Base. If I didn't know any better, I'd say this man likes Blade Runner. This is the third movie he has produced. But I digress, we are here to talk about Napoleon. Napoleon is a movie about Napoleon Bonaparte, a 2 hour and 38 minute film about the French military commander turned ruler, turned emperor, turned tyrant, turned exile, turned dead. The last part is not a spoiler, because I hope everyone knows he has been dead for more than 200 years. 1821, the year of his final resting place. We see this man in this film gain power from humble beginnings, and even after losing, he still wins. This is charisma at its strongest, not necessarily the kindest. We have Hawking Phoenix as Napoleon Bonaparte, and Vanessa Kirby as Josephine Bonaparte, our two main characters in this film. Napoleon is an ambitious individual who knows what he wants and does what he wants. Josephine is Napoleon's other half who wants to feel in charge, but lives in the shadow of her husband. We see the two go through thick and thin, arguments, war, childbirth, and much, much more. Now onto the set. The set is more. The set is extra lavish. We are seeing a man go from a moderately high position to a ruler, then an emperor. If a scene is at war, then it is lavish dinners or lavish meetings, dances, lavish things like that. Big rooms with decorations and fancy high-value objects. A lot of the sets have a painting of a high-ranking individual, candelabras, fancy cutlery, long tables, and much more. As you can tell, I am definitely not someone with a lavish lifestyle. Do you know what this is saying? High status. Napoleon is a man with status. This film and set show this man as rich, powerful, and with high status. He's not like the other guys. And she is not like other girls. They rose to power and earned a place far above the common. The sets are what 
many imagine to be the lifestyle of those with money and status. I'd believe it. I definitely believe that Napoleon was a rich man and Josephine was a well-off wife. There was a scene with a dinner party with all the guests in fine clothes, stone walls with paintings and hanging decorations, fancy cutlery, tableware and candles lighting the room with a fireplace behind them. This to me is the ultimate I'm rich and you are not set. I think I would be terrified if I was invited or found myself in this room. While I do believe there is at least one nice millionaire, this set, along with the actors, portrays a rather established image of rich and eccentric. Scenes in this film range from emotional to action-packed. We have romance and drama when Napoleon and Josephine are in the room, and calm times with Napoleon and other men of high status. Absolute chaos with tactics when there is time for war. Each scene is jam-packed, especially when it comes to war. Soldiers running everywhere, in slow motion with explosions. Napoleon loves his cannons, and so does the movie. Every battle scene appeared to have at least one. If someone wasn't getting cannoned, then some other slow-motion-related violence was happening in this film. There's a fine line between action and trauma-related scenes. This movie balances them quite well. War scenes were enticing, varied environments, but still essentially a giant field each time. They certainly picked the best for this film. I loved the use of slow-motion. really increases the dramatics and enjoyment despite the fact it was just a lot of violence. The film may have moved too fast, if not for some of the drawn-out scenes work with fighting and cannons. Scenes not focused on violence also held their own. It was clear that Joaquin and Vanessa were playing off each other very well. I could not think of better leads. I was mostly distressed by their scenes. It always seemed that there was more drama between them each time. There was a peculiar sequence as well, where Napoleon was saying to Josephine, she is nothing without him. Then in the very next scene, it was her saying that to Napoleon, and then right after, back to Napoleon saying that to Josephine. I was incredibly distressed and a little confused. I don't know why, but I guess that's the weirdness of the Napoleon Bonaparte. Music in Napoleon is comparable to music in Oppenheimer. Now hear me out. It's not that they are similar in tune, but similar in the mental imagery they create with their notes and their use. The soundtrack is truly what someone would want to hear when they think of adventure and depression. The beats were high and then they were low. Whatever the scene, if there was a soundtrack, then it worked. The soundtrack used a lot of long and lower notes for the general scenes. They were used in and simply on blast when they were not. This film uses its silence as well too, mainly to then input the sound of a cannon firing. You could compare Napoleon to Oppenheimer in the sense that it was an experience. The music was there to increase that experience, and for a fair bit of the film. Make you sad at least, that's how I felt. But of course... The music was enjoyable, but I would not listen to it often or much. It only feels appropriate for the Napoleon movie. To some, you could listen to it anywhere, maybe on a trip, but for me, I would be hesitant to listen to it again unless it was with the film. Because of this, I 
more than likely won't hear it too much again. It was enjoyable, but this movie is not about the soundtrack. You will more than likely be drawn to the action scenes and the scenes with Napoleon Josephine up front. Martin Phillips is the composer for this film, and he has also had a hand in the music for the Peaky Blinders. Now, tropes in this film. There is home field advantage, love hurts, from nobody to somebody. Now, technically, some of this is quite just accurately real, but it is viewed as a trope nowadays. I do not know how long nowadays could be defined, or even if some people define these examples as tropes. But for me, these are tropes. They are interesting, and that is just how it is. Home field advantage, there is a solid section of the film where Napoleon loses to Russia because he invaded with his army, and Russia uses both guerrilla tactics and a tactic of destroying their own capital to defeat Napoleon. The history is accurate, though maybe not a spectacular. Movie magic has a clear hand in it. I suspect there is a mixture of trying to make it spectacular, but also very melancholy. Russia wins because of the home field. Now, it makes sense, that is all I will say. You could almost say it's predictable because of the weather, and that obviously home fields have advantage, and people from the home field know how to use it. There are plenty of subversions as well. The home fields can lose, and then eventually win in the end, and many other ways of telling tropes and stories. This, however, was history. Love hurts. Love hurts like life. There are good and bad moments. It's a trope, but also reality. Just really romanticized, and especially weird in this film. Reasons for love hurts can differ from movie to movie, generally more wholesome than toxic. This film was about the toxic side of love hurts, and was a bit depressing to watch. Napoleon is kind of a bad dude. I really hope there are fewer Napoleons out there. I really hope he wasn't this toxic and love hurty in the past. That's how I feel about this situation. Now, nobody to somebody is a nice trope, and also something that happens in real life. In fact, it really is happening more than any other point in history these days. Just like the film, anyone can become someone. Napoleon is some random dude who became a tyrant, then an emperor, with a movie as well. It is kind of crazy when you look at it. I believe everyone has a chance. It's a nice trope. And now moving on to acting. The acting in this film. There's only two actors in this film. What I mean is that no one else other than the main two really are around long enough to act anything to really notice. Now I have one thing to say for each character. For Napoleon, he is weird. And then for Josephine, hollow. Weird means... In this case, eccentric, ambitious, and maybe a little all over the place. I really hope he wasn't this bad in real life, but I believe most of the things he did in this film. I'd say unpredictable, even. Josephine is hollow in the sense that she is just losing herself across this film. Napoleon slowly takes parts of her. She does this quite well throughout the film. It is sad to watch, but very impressive, though. Both of these two do quite well. Everybody else is just either stiff or very casual and basic, which is fair enough. Not bad, per se. Both Hawking and Vanessa together are a great but depressing combination. But in retrospect, 
I think it would be strange to see either of these two in real life. I'd say perhaps a little bit unbelievable to see someone in front of me with Napoleon's personality. I definitely would be sad if someone who is similar to him was in front of me. The argument could be made that Hawking was miscast and that a different kind of personality would have been better. I'm not against the idea. It could have made the movie better. Next up are the messages. I suppose it would be cliche to say, but don't fly too close to the sun would be the most obvious for sure. I think it would be quite clear, being that Napoleon lost a whole empire and sense of self, lost his love and much more. I think it is important to try and aim high. Just make sure your personality is still grounded. Remember who got you to where you are, because it definitely was not just you. This man started as a soldier, becoming a general, a consul to an emperor, with the help of his brother and wife, and much more. Not everyone can do that. The movie certainly dramatized it, and made sure the consequences were especially pointed out for us. You know what I don't know who is listening? You in the corner, with that bright smile and ambitiousness. I, too, believe that you can do it. Another message would be knowing what's important. Love your country, family, etc. I let many things in my life slip because I forgot or thought there'd be another opportunity. Don't be like me. Know what you like and go for it. Unless it is murder, I don't condone that. The person you are is defined by your actions and defined by your likes and wants. Understand the person you are and want to be. Now to reviews. Surprisingly, it seems critics and audiences have similar takes on this movie. And both come to agree on this film being just above a five and around it. Critics say soulless, colossal bore, Waterloo, underdeveloped, empty spectacle. Audiences say battle scenes were good, kind of drawn out, miscast of Hawking, great acting, was okay, but kept expecting something completely different. Most ratings are around 1 to 3 star range for both critics and audiences. Higher ratings come from people who love history and love filmography. Lower reviews would be people expecting a different kind of movie or just genuinely not enjoying it. For me, this movie was a 4 out of 5 out of 10. Definitely above Killers, but only just. It did feel a little long, but I enjoyed seeing all the battle scenes and the general progression of things. The actors were good enough to keep me entertained, but this film is not my general taste. I do love learning about history, but this film felt rushed and maybe incomplete. Go watch it if you love history. That is all I will say on that. There is one thing I did enjoy that I would like to bring up. It's not particularly important to the movie per se. I just enjoyed seeing giant ship in this film. Mainly because I've been thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean of recent. As one of my favorite movie trilogies in existence. If only they could do some more pirate movies. I think I would be very excited. But enough of that. 
thank you to Belgrave Cinema. If you feel like enjoying a movie, why don't you pop on down? 145 Dumeric Street. See you again next week. This was Screen Time on Tune 106.9, going to the credits.